Thank you. Well, good morning, ladies. I want to know how many of you follow Nika on Instagram. Nika follows herself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if you follow Nika, you would know that this last week she had a flat tire. This was her post. The, and she's very proud of the fact that she changed her own flat tire. And in her caption, you can see that she says, basically, Mama, thanks for raising me. Thanks for teaching me how to change my flat tire. I'm pretty impressed. I think that's so awesome that Nika um, can change her own tire. Because if I were to have a flat, I would be totally up a creek. I have no clue how to change a flat tire. My mama did not teach me that, but uh, my mama's great. But changing a tire is just not in my wheelhouse of ability. Even if I knew how to change a flat tire, if Nika were to call me and say, this is how you do it, you unscrew this bolt and you lift this tire and you lift up the car and you do it, I wouldn't be able to do it because I, I don't have the strength. I don't have the, the upper body strength. I clearly need to work out a little bit. But I wouldn't be able to do it. It's a task that I would be unable to do. And I think that we see how Moses feels a lot that same way in our story today. He's presented with a task that he is completely unable to do. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the connections. He doesn't have the strategy, the influence to do what God is calling him to do. But what we see is that God had a plan. And what we learn is that when God calls, he also empowers. This was true for Moses in his situation, and it's true for you, and it's true for me today. When God calls, he also empowers. Last week, remember, we talked a lot about how God keeps his promises. He, we talked about how the God of the universe focused in on one man, Abraham, and made a covenant with Abraham and with his family that he would give him the land, the seed, and the blessing. And But before that blessing of the promised land, he told Abraham a long time ago that the people, his family, these people, the Israelites, would be enslaved for 400 years. And so that's where we pick up today. The Lord is, has told us that his people would be enslaved. So these Israelites have been in Egypt for 400 years, and they have they've been enslaved, they've been in bondage, and they have been um, just oppressed in Egypt. But now because God is keeping his covenant with his people, it's time for him to act. He's ready. He says, let's go. Now is the time that I'm going to take the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. And he calls Moses to do that task. One man, again, who is lowly and he's a broken shepherd. He's got a past. Remember, he was a murderer last week. And what we see is that when God calls, he's not going to leave Moses on his own to fulfill this task. He, but God commits himself 
for the task. He's going to empower Moses with all that he needs to do to be able to accomplish what he's calling to him to accomplish. So we're going to see when God calls, he also empowers. As we look at Moses, I mean at Exodus 3 and chapters 3 and 4, our outline is going to be real simple. First of all, God's call. Then secondly, Moses' concerns. And third, we're going to look at God's commitment. So if you would, open your Bible with me to Exodus 3 and 4, and we'll get started. We're going to first look at God's call. In verses 1 through 10, we see when God calls Moses, he's, he has gone from the palace of Egypt into the pasture. And he has been a shepherd for 40 years. Just a low position, obscure, lonely, boring, until one day he's walking out into the desert and he sees the burning bush. It added a little bit of excitement when he saw the angel of the Lord. Now we know when scripture tells us it's the angel of the Lord rather than an angel of the Lord, we know that this is, uh, it's referring to the Lord God himself. It's the pre-incarnate Christ who um, is calling Moses from this burning bush. And he calls Moses by name. He says, Moses, Moses. He called him personally. He called Moses. And then in verse 5, we see that he says, whoa, stop. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. This ground in my presence is its holy ground. Because what we see is Moses is a man. He's a sinful man. And for him to come toward a holy God, into the presence of a holy God, there's a natural barrier between man's sinfulness and God's holiness. And God in his holiness is unapproachable. And so he was actually protecting Moses, saying, whoa, 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 stand back a little bit. The ground is holy ground. And then God goes on to reveal himself, who he is, that he is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the covenant keeper. He's keeping his covenant with this family. And he keeps his promises. And in those verses, we see so much of what God does. He does. He says he's seen his misery, the misery. He's heard the crying. He's concerned about their suffering. He said the, there, later, he says, their cry reached me and I've seen the oppression. And he was concerned about them. So in these first 10 verses, we see a holy, compassionate, caring, personal God who steps into history to do what he promised to do over 400 years earlier. And then in verse 8, what he's saying he's going to do is he says, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he calls Moses personally by name, and he wants to rescue his people. He wants to bring them out of slavery and into goodness is basically what it is. So what I want to do is just stop right here. What we're going to learn here is that God initiates the rescue of his people. God initiates the rescue of his people. 
And this is the beginning of a great story of rescue that we're going to study in the book of Exodus. But what I want you to see is that this is a foreshadowing of the greatest story of rescue. I want you to make the connection in the book of Exodus between this great deliverer, Moses, and the greatest deliverer, who is Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, for you and for me, cruel bondage like the Israelites, it's been a part of our lives because we too have been enslaved and we need to be set free because the Bible clearly teaches us that we are slaves to sin. We are born with a sin nature that we cannot on our own escape from. We're unable to escape those selfish inclinations or that tendency that we have to be, to run and be rebellious toward God. And that sin, it separates us. Just like it separated Moses from the holiness of God, that's our sin today separates us from a holy God. But God loves us so much. He wants a relationship with us. So he himself came down to earth to rescue us from our bondage to sin. He himself came to earth wrapped in the flesh of a little baby Jesus in the manger who grew up to live a perfect life, to die as an atoning sacrifice for your sins and my sins. He died on the cross and took the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins on himself. But he didn't stay dead. After three days, he rose again. And that proves that his rescue mission has been accomplished. The Lord accepted his sacrifice for us. And so we've been set free. You and I, like the Israelites, have been set free out of bondage and into the goodness, the promise promises of God. And as we increasingly obey him, the abundance that God wants to give us increases more and more. We see that we have been rescued out of that slavery into grace, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those good things that God offers us through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. So we've been set free one from the penalty of sin because Christ's work has, Christ has paid our debt and so we are forgiven. We've been set free from the power of sin. No longer do we have to obey our sinful nature. Our sin is no longer master over us, but we've been set free to be able to obey God. And then we also, in the future, will be set free from the presence of sin. Because when we die and we are enabled to live in eternity with Christ, there will be no more sin. There will be no more consequences, um, no presence of sin at all. That will be the true land of milk and honey that all of Scripture points to. And all we have to do to receive this rescue that Christ has offered us, he is handing us a lifeline. And all we have to do is reach out and take hold of that lifeline by trusting in what he's done for us. So you see, in Moses' time, 
and in our time today, God initiates the rescue of his people. Do you believe this? I'm glad you do. Does this belief, does this um, dictate how you live your life? Does it guide and affect your decisions on a daily basis? This relationship with the Lord God that he has drawn us back into a relationship with himself. What you, how you respond to Jesus, what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you, the most important thing in your life. So we see that God initiates the rescue of his people. So then we're gonna look at Moses' response. So when God calls Moses, Moses responds with concern. He's absolutely consumed with his limitations. We looked at this in our lesson, all the different ways that Moses pushes back five different times. He says, who am I? Like, I don't have the influence. I don't have the power. I can't do this. And then he's gonna, he asks, who, will, who shall I say sent me? Like basically asking God, like, who are you? And then he says, what if they don't believe me? Because I'm slow in speech. And finally he says, God, please just send someone else. He didn't want to do this. This was a massive task. And Moses had limited resources. Together that equals impossibility. And Moses knew it. We can identify with Moses here can't we? The Lord asking us to do a big task that we feel like we're completely uh, incapable of doing, things that are scary or hard. God calls us to do difficult things. He calls us to do things that we can't do on our own. And sometimes, because we can't do it in our own power, that causes us to get stuck in our limitations and only accept um, tasks or be willing to step out in faith for those things that we know we can do and handle in our own strength, the things that we feel confident doing. But God's not into small purposes for Moses, and he's not into small purposes for us either. He's into Big tasks, big life-changing tasks. And really the truth is each one of us has a desire to be a part of his big life-changing tasks because the Lord has set eternity in our hearts. He's given us the desire to participate in his grand purposes in our lives. But we're uncomfortable. When he asks us to step out and it stretches our faith, but it strengthens our dependence on him. So as women, oftentimes we kind of have two different responses. We kind of go one of two ways. Um, when it's so easy to, to live under the burden of our it's, it's perpetual state of self-reliance. And it's exhausting. It's a burden that when we try to live in our own strength. So one of the ways that we try to do that is, is the extreme overconfident. We pretend. We pretend like we're a, a capable mom or a confident employee or we've got life all together. 
we're a, a faithful follower of Christ and we just pretend, but we really all know deep down inside that we're just one mess up away, one step away from being found out of our imperfections. The other thing, the other response that we can have is that we, we know we can't and we might just live in this perpetual state of despair and discouragement and maybe it's guilt or shame or defeat, but we might get stuck and not willing to take a step for the Lord because we feel like we can't and we're waiting till we feel like we can before we take that step. It's exhausting to try to do life in our own strength. It really is a burden. And we've just got to be honest with the Lord like Moses was and come and say, these are my insufficiencies. This is where I feel inadequate. And the Lord will be patient. He, Moses brought all of his questions and his hesitations and his fears to the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He says, just come. In Matthew 11, 28 through 20, he says, come all to, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. All of you who are trying to do life in your own strength, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so what we see is that God is able to work in us to overcome our failures and work through us in spite of those failures. And we, like Moses, need to be reminded to embrace our inadequacies, but then move forward to embrace the sufficiency of God because he's able to overcome. He longs to meet us at the end of our rope when we get to where we can't do it anymore. And he loves to meet us there and prove that he himself is strong. He himself is sufficient for our every need. You know, when I was first asked to teach a Bible study like this, I was like Moses, completely stunned that I would be the one that'd be asked and feeling completely inadequate. And my first response was just like Moses, like, no, I can't do that. There are so many ladies that are more adequate than I am to teach the Bible, that they've studied it longer than I have. But when the director called and asked if I would do this, she said, just pray about it and just promise me that you won't say no because of fear. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll pray about it, but I, I don't think you've got the right person. So after praying about it, I realized that all of my responses and my hesitations were fear-based. And so finally and reluctantly, I said yes. And um, I, then I got a teacher's manual and I opened up the manual and it said, one of the sentences was, the, the feeling of inadequacy is a prerequisite for doing this job well. I was like, yes, I've got this covered then because I feel totally inadequate. But it has been such a privilege to be able, I've taught a few times over the years and it's just amazing to see how the Lord does what he promises he's gonna do. He, he's done it for me and he will do it for you. And it's 
I'm not a great teacher. I have a lot of inadequacies. There are many of you who could teach much better than I can. But when you follow the Lord's call, he's the one that's faithful. And he's the one that says, depend on me. And he follows through and proves himself strong. So... He loves to fill empty, broken vessels with himself and bring glory to himself. And so we just need to need him. So the principle that we see here is that God redeems our insufficiencies for his glory. God redeems our insufficiencies for his glory. We are people who are designed to live life dependent on God, who is the only one, the one and only one who's completely adequate. So let me ask you, what are you facing this week that you feel like you're completely inadequate to deal with and to handle? Where are you saying, I just... I can't do that. I can't. Is the Lord calling you in? What's he calling you to do? Is he calling you in? Is he calling you into a relationship with him? Is he calling you into a more disciplined study of his word? Is he calling you into a new ministry task? Maybe he's calling you out, out of your comfort zone out of your comfort sin, maybe. Maybe he's calling you out of the darkness and into the light. Or maybe he's calling you to stay put. Maybe he's saying, stand fast, endure, stay strong. Are you in a hard marriage? Are you going round and round with teenagers? And he's saying, stand firm in your parenting. Maybe you're single, and he's saying, stand firm. He's calling you to stand firm in your purity. Whatever the Lord is calling you to do, you can identify with Moses. Even when it's scary, even when you feel insufficient, even when you're feeling guilt and shame from your past, if that's paralyzing you, what you need to remember is that God redeems our insufficiencies for his glory. So we've seen Moses and his concerns. Now we're going to see God's response. What is his commitment? What is he committed to do? What we see is that whatever God calls us to do, he equips us, he empowers us, he enables us to do. And it's not in our strength but it's in his strength alone. So let's just look at the promises that God made to Moses in these verses. As he looked at, let's look at verse 12 even. So the Lord promises, I will be with you. He promises his presence. And then he's like, I'm not gonna leave you on your own. I'm not sending you out by yourself. This is a team project. We're going to do this together. Then in verse 14, he commits himself as the all-sufficient one. When he says, I, tell him, I am sent you. So, I am. What does that mean? I am means that God is big enough for this task. It's the covenant name of Yahweh, 
or it also is known as Jehovah. It's the covenant name of God that reveals that he is self-sufficient. This is an attribute that only God possesses. He's self-sufficient. He has no equal, no beginning, no end. He's uncreated, never changing, eternal. He's dependent on no one. As a matter of fact, all the world, everything, everyone is completely dependent on him. I loved that I learned that the I am is the idea that God is the becoming one. The becoming one. I thought, what does that mean? What it means is that he becomes. He becomes whatever is lacking in us in our time of need. So if we are facing darkness in our lives, he says, I am the light. If we are feeling weak, he says, I am the bread of life. If we're feeling defenseless, he says, I am the good shepherd. I will take care of you. God is the becoming one because he becomes what we need. I am, many of you know, is the title that Jesus took on many times in the New Testament, when he, which was a clear claim that he is God. He was claiming deity. We could go on and on about I am and what that means. But basically, to wrap it up, it means I am sufficient. God is saying he himself is sufficient for all of our needs. And he was going to help Moses and be sufficient for all of Moses' needs as well. So then go on to verses 16 and 17, God's answer, his commitment. He says, I've watched over you, I've seen you, I have promised to bring you up to the land of milk and honey. He's a caring, concerned God that wants goodness for his people. He wants all to go well for his people. And he's going to bring them up to good. So he promises good. In verse 19 then, we see, he says, Pharaoh won't let you go until a mighty hand compels him. So I will. And then he goes on to tell about the, the power that he's going to bestow into Moses. He's going to perform the wonders of the staff and the snake and the hand and the leper and the water and blood. And then Moses was, again, he's like, but I'm slow to speak, Lord, send someone else. And that's when God says, I'm going to be your provision. He promises his provision. He says, I will help you. I will teach you what to say. And then he provides Aaron. He says, I'm going to provide Aaron. And then I thought it was interesting as we looked at those verses 24 through 26 about the circumcision. I thought that just seemed like it was inserted and kind of random. But as I thought about it some more, I thought, okay, what is God providing here? What's God promising? What does he commit to here? And what we see is that Moses had not met the covenant that God had required of his family, the covenant of circumcision that he had um, required earlier, and that Moses couldn't lead until he was obedient to the Lord's covenant. And so what I thought here is that the Lord promises purification for his people. So he, he um, promises the same thing for us. 
that sanctification and the purification. He is committed to making Moses and making us more holy on a day-to-day basis. He will make us increasingly holy. But like Moses, even when the Lord has promised these things over and over and over, we have a tendency to preach our insufficiencies to God when we need to flip that around and preach God and his power to our insufficiencies. We've got to be reminding ourselves constantly of all the promises that God makes to us, just like to Moses. And he reveals that he himself is sufficient for our every need. He is the great I am and he's enough. So, Today, we don't have a word in a burning bush. We don't have God's word coming to us from a burning bush. But we do have the absolutely true word of God that makes lots of promises and reminds us of the power and the provision that God offers. All those things that God promised Moses, his his power and his um, provision and his purification and his um, just all those things, I like to sum up in three things. His presence, his power, and his provision. Just in every circumstance that I'm facing, if I can remind myself of his presence, his power, and his provision, then I will be reminding, speaking God to my limitations rather than my limitations to God. And I will be fixing my eyes on him who is sufficient. Because we see all through scripture, many, many promises. But one promise where he promises his presence is in Isaiah 41.10, one of my favorites, where he says, do not fear, for I am with you. He promises his presence. Do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God promises us his power in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he promises provision in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all that you need, all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then I love the second Peter 1, 3 that, that we talked about in church on Sunday, where his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So we see that God gives us all we need. How does he do that? Through the knowledge of him. So this is not a head knowledge, like we know the facts about God. This is knowing God. So we are given all that we need by knowing the great I am, developing that relationship with him, spending time with him. Like you would get to know a friend better, you get to know God better by spending more and more time with him. And as we, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that empowers us, that we have all that we need 
all that we, uh, he, he reveals that he is sufficient. He himself is sufficient for our every need. So I want to ask you, do you believe that? It's real easy to kind of in our heads think, yes, I know that. I believe that. But do you really? Do you really believe that God says he's going to do? When you think about that situation that we were thinking about earlier, that God's calling you to that you can't do on your own, how would your response, your response be different to that if you really, truly trusted God's power, his provision, and his presence in that situation, that he would be, he would be with you? Do you trust him enough to follow that call? It's hard. But God promises that he will enable us to do what he calls us to do. So even in our insecurities, even with our history, God can redeem and strengthen us and empower us to do what he calls us to do. Because God initiates our rescue and then he redeems our brokenness for his glory And then he reveals himself as sufficient for our every need. And we can trust that when God calls, he also empowers. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you call us and that you draw us to a relationship with you and that you provide all that we need. Thank you for how you encourage us and how you're patient with us and how you care for us, just like you were with Moses. Lord, I pray for each one of these women this morning that you would reveal yourself to her as sufficient. Reveal yourself as the great I am, the one who can redeem her weakness, her insufficiencies and that you can provide everything she needs to follow you and be obedient to your call. Lord, I also pray as these ladies go to small groups today that as they discuss the lesson, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to share what you have taught them this week and that they would be real and authentic with each other and express their need for you and for, for their friends. I pray that we would all grow closer to each other and to you through our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word that teaches us about your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.